Shalom. We are so glad you're joining us on this episode of Our Hope. We created this podcast as a resource for followers of Yeshua, where they can learn more about Israel, the Bible, and the Jewish community. Together, we discuss Messianic apologetics, dive into scripture, and hear stories from Jewish believers in Jesus. If you've enjoyed our podcast series, please consider supporting us at ourhopepodcast.com support. You could also help us by sharing this podcast on social media, talking about it with your friends and family, or by writing a review on Apple Podcasts. We are so grateful for you, and we hope this episode of Our Hope is both enlightening and encouraging. Welcome to Our Hope, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this podcast, you will hear inspiring testimonies, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Wherever you're listening, we hope you lean in, listen closely, and be blessed. One of the ways the Bible speaks about the Messiah is as the messenger of the Lord. Yeshua first came to Israel, bringing God's message about the kingdom and the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus returns, God will judge those who have rejected him and save those who call on him. We read about this in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. Amazingly, Malachi seems to suggest that this messenger, the Messiah, is more than a human being. But we'll get to that later. Our guest today is Dr. Daniel Nessim, who is the Chosen People Ministries branch leader in Washington State and Vancouver. Before that, he established our ministries branch in the United Kingdom. He holds a PhD in theology and religion, with his specialty being the earliest followers of Yeshua. I now introduce the host of Our Hope podcast, Abe Vasquez. Shalom, everyone. Welcome to Our Hope. I am so excited uh, again to be back. Another week, another episode um, on another Messianic Prophecy. Um, it, it's really been an awesome season so far, and I'm really excited to dive into this particular one. Today, we have our guest, Daniel Nessam. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us and being willing to talk to us about this special Messianic Prophecy. So I know in the last episode that we had you on, we asked you a pretty deep theological question, um, one that I think stumped you, um, stumps most people. It was the question of, what's your favorite food? And so <laughs> we're not going to ask that again, but we will ask you, what is your favorite dessert? Yeah, well, that one is easy because my wife makes the best New York cheesecake. Wow. Last you know, once I was in New York and it, I was uh, being told how great Junior's was. And I went to Junior's and uh, my wife's cheesecake has it hands down. Well, that's awesome, Daniel. And I know last time we had you on, you were sharing how you've been busy during this time of pandemic. So can you share any updates on your ministry, any testimonies you can share? Well, the big thing for me is that I'm finally able to cross the Canadian border. Since August, I've been up and down every week. I have to get a COVID test, 
cross every t single time. But that enables me to minister up in Canada, which is really important to me. We had a bar mitzvah just last Saturday, first bar oh, mitzvah wow. we've had in years. We had uh, a lot of people, a lot of visitors, a uh, couple Jewish people we haven't seen for years, partly because of the pandemic. So I am really mm. pleased about that. Things are really moving ahead now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, the book of Malachi, it's pretty famous for being that book right before the 400 years of quote-unquote silence of God we can sometimes feel like we're in 400 years right now in the middle of COVID but <laughs> it feels like a very long season so I can't even imagine what that's like to not even hear a prophet not to hear anything uh, for 400 years Daniel why don't you give us a little bit of a background for this particular book who is Malachi when did he live set us up a little bit well, Malachi really is the last, because while a lot of prophets overlapped and they spoke at the same time, Malachi speaks almost a hundred years after the last prophet before him. And then there is silence from the prophets. I wouldn't say silence in terms of God's dealings with Israel, but right. in the biblical record, Nothing else is given to us after this point. And he's dealing with a situation where the people have returned under Ezra. They've returned to the law. They've become observant. They have never, they've rebuilt the temple and they've rebuilt mm -hmm. the city walls. And so things now are going pretty well. I mean, not perfectly, but they are getting established. They've been there for over a hundred years back in the land. And yet at the same time, they're really not deeply invested in true worship of God. They're not really passionate about God. And he calls them to account on this. He upbraids them. And yet he also gives them a lot of hope and a lot of promise. He says, you know, you turn to me and I will bless. And so mm. it's really a great book in that regard. And one of the interesting things about the book that comes right you know, smacks you right in the face. If you know the Hebrew, is Malachi is actually the Hebrew word malachi, which means my messenger. And that's really mm. powerful that his name mm -hmm. is malachi. It's a little bit like Haggai in, in the prophet Haggai, who, whose name means festivals. And then you read mm. throughout the book, um, he's talking about and dating his prophecies by the festivals. And mm -hmm. Malachi, just like him, has a name that relates to the content of the book. He's all, it's also the last of what we call the, in, in the Christian world, people call it the minor prophets. In the Hebrew Jewish world, it's called the Trey Esar, the 12, the 12 minor prophets, not 13 according to Christian count, counting, mm. but the 12 minor prophets who, um, who are taken together as a book of their own. One scroll, in a sense. And so it's really a, a concluding uh, salvo from these minor prophets to Israel that, that kind of sums up everything that's come before, because they really do mm. fit together in a unit, in a, in a mm. special way. 
I think I speak for a lot of listeners when I say that I don't know much about the minor prophets, including Malachi. So thank you for sharing all that, Daniel. Can you just share a little bit more about the message of Malachi? How does the overall message of this book set us up for what this particular prophecy that we're talking about today says? Wow. Well, Malachi really begins as a burden of the Lord. And when this term burden of the Lord is used in scripture, it's a term that really says this is something important. Like there are different terms that are used. You know, sometimes it's the word of the Lord or whatever. But this is something really important and really critical. And and so people are really called to pay attention to what he's talking about. And one of the issues that comes right through it is there's kind of a societal breakdown going on in his day, maybe a little bit like ours, where things are being reinvented. And he says, you know, in chapter one and verse four, he's talking about the issue of sons honoring their fathers and a servant, his master. And yet that kind of thing is breaking down because they're not honoring the Lord. Then you get to the end of the book and you realize that that in the messianic age, now all of a sudden people will honor each other, that, that these things will be restored. And so it's a call both to true worship, but also to living in a way that gives honor to each other and to God the way God intends us to do. Daniel, how would you describe the tone of the book of Malachi? Well, when I was uh, studying in my final years, I ran across a new word, to me anyway, paranetic. And it's hmm. kind of a long, difficult, obscure word, but it's, it's uh, exhortation, it's encouragement, it's telling people how they ought to live in light of something that is to come, in light hmm. of a promise and a hope. It's kind of a slap on the wrist, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's encouragement and, and, you know, this is the way in which you should walk and this is what's good for you. And, and so this is what the book is like, so many, like so many of the other prophets. It's that call saying, come on, guys, uh, God really wants to bless you. God really wants to pour out his blessing upon this nation. Simply turn back to God. So that is uh, that is quite the definition <laughs> of that word and quite the um, explanation of the tone. Uh, it's very interesting. And so I, I would actually love to hear some of the verses from what we're talking about. Nicole, would you mind reading Malachi chapter 3 verses 1 and also chapter 4 verses 1 through 5? So this is Malachi 3.1. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then Malachi 4.1-5. For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant and every evildoer will be chaff. And the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 
But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness will rise with healing in its wings, and you will go forth and skip about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Let's talk about this word messenger. Chapter 3, verse 1 says that the Lord will send a messenger, the messenger of the covenant. Who exactly is it referring to? This is the big question, and it's always been um, a fascinating topic of discussion because mal, a malach is a messenger. It's actually the word for an angel because an angel is a messenger. And so throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Hebrew Bible, you have the word malach, and it's often translated as angel. But it's, it's a messenger. It's some entity, some person sent by God. And the book begins, it's written by Malachi, my messenger. But then you get to chapter 2 and verse 7, and all of a sudden he says, the priest is my messenger, which is interesting because he's obviously really aware of his use of his name and this word. Mm -hmm. And then in chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, God will send his messenger. I will send my messenger, the Lord says. And then in chapter 4 and verse 5, and I should make it clear, if you're using a Hebrew Bible or a Jewish Bible of some kind, this will be actually chapter 3 and verse 23, because mm. uh, there is no separate chapter 4 in Hebrew Bibles. So in 3.23 or chapter 4 and verse 5, he identifies that messenger and says, I will send you Elijah the prophet. And now the messenger is named, but that doesn't solve all of the problems. It's kind of mystifying. He says, this is Elijah the prophet. That's clearly harking back to Isaiah chapter 40, where the Lord says, I, you know, he will send his messenger who would prepare the way and prepare the way for the Lord. So, while he refers back to it, there is still a problem because chapter 3 and verse 2, mm -hmm. where we see this messenger described, he's someone whose coming cannot be endured. Nobody can stand when he appears. He's like a refiner's fire, like launderer's soap. So this is not just a normal messenger. Like, what is going on? And is this Elijah when we get to chapter 4 and verse 5 or in the Hebrew Bible, chapter 3, 23? The two don't quite jive. And so, of mm. course, that means people have discussed this. There's been an ongoing issue. And like so many other things, there's no clear answer. Um, it's not going to be simple. And many things in the Bible are intended that way. God intends us to get in there and seek out the answer and see what he has to say, because there are different levels of um, 
biblical revelation. You know, there's a surface level, but there are deeper levels as well when you start really digging into it. So um, it is, it's a mystifi- mystifying. Who is this mm-hmm. messenger? Right. Well, when you say that, you know, he's like refiner's fire, that no one will be able to stand this person or endure him. It almost sounds like God himself is going to be the messenger. But how can that be? How can God be his own messenger? Yeah, well, and this is really true because God clearly says he is the only judge. There is no other judge mm. besides the almighty God. So mm-hmm. who is this messenger who's doing things that um, are divine in in their scope? And how can it be? And, you know, when we look at it from a Messianic Jewish perspective or from a New Testament perspective, um, maybe we could, we could look at it from a different perspective perspective because now we've got some more revelation that helps us to decode Malachi. But on the other hand, we want to be faithful to the text that we have. And also when we're sharing this with Jewish friends, um, we we absolutely have to be uh, faithful to the Hebrew text. Otherwise, we don't have an argument. So not that we're trying to argue, but there is definitely something here that speaks in a messianic way. There is something going on here, and there is a bit of an enigma, and there is something perplexing, and it should be no surprise. Jewish people, Jewish scholars over centuries, I should say millennia, over thousands of years, Jewish scholars have actually grappled with this very issue. We'll be right back. Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, president of Chosen People Ministries. When God wants to use us, he does so in his perfect timing, regardless of where we are in life, in many ways actually, that we had never planned. If you've been on a path toward higher education in ministry, communications, and outreach, and you have a passion for making Jesus known to the Jewish people, then the Charles L. Feinberg Messianic Jewish Center is for you. This program is a partnership between Chosen People Ministries, Biola University, and the Talbot School of Theology. It is theologically and specifically designed to inspire, equip, and send students into the harvest on a mission to reach Jewish people for Jesus. Learn more about the Feinberg Center when you visit Chosen People Ministries chosenpeople.com slash radio. Shalom. As the year draws to a close and the Advent season approaches, many of us will reflect on the Messiah's first coming and celebrate his birth. This year, experience Advent in a whole new way when you attend our free online conference, Advent Through Jewish Eyes. We will hear from three Jewish believers in Jesus on what the Hebrew scriptures say about the Messiah's coming. Our speakers are Moody Bible Institute professor, Dr. Michael Rydelnik, president of Chosen People Ministries, Dr. Mitch Glazer, and radio host, Dr. Michael Brown. 
This free event is on Thursday, December 9th, 2021 at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Register at chosenpeople.com advent today. And now, back to our program. So what do ancient Jewish sources, other than the Bible itself, say about the messenger of the Lord? Yeah, this is uh, where it really is is fascinating because you can go back to um, you can go back to the Dead Sea Scrolls. Not much said there, but you can go back to books that are easily before Yeshua, before Jesus' time, uh, such as the Jewish book of Sirach, where in Sirach 48, there is this depiction of Elijah the prophet as the one who comes to restore Jacob, to restore the people of Israel, as Mm -hmm. a man who raised um, a man from the dead. And in the Mishnah, you know, which is hardly obscure literature uh, in the Jewish world, in the Mishnah, in Sota 9 and 15, which actually holds some really early material, even though this was written down a couple hundred years CE, the Mishnah says that the resurrection of the dead shall come through Elijah in the Messianic age. And yet, it's really clear. You look um, in in Jewish writing, and you look in the Hebrew Bible, and who does the resurrection of the dead? It is Hashem. It is God. He's the one who raises from the dead. So, you know, in Jewish thinking, it's possible to hold contradictory opinions at the same time and say, I can't quite reconcile these two things. But mm. you nevertheless get some clear statements like, um, you know, saying that this is Elijah, but but that this is one who will fulfill this a messianic, even divine role. Mm. Now, Daniel, as you know, we're talking about messianic prophecies this season. This is yet another messianic prophecy that we've covered that doesn't have the word Messiah in it. So how do we know for sure that this passage is actually talking about the Messiah? Well, I think from a Hebrew Bible perspective, from the perspective of Malachi itself, there are, there are some indications that lead even some uh, rabbis of the last 2,000 years, uh, important rabbis, to, to clearly say it's the Messiah. So, for example, there's a rabbi, Ibn Ezra, and... and Ibn Ezra says, this is Messiah, son of Joseph, Mashiach ben Yosef. That's my messenger. That's who is being spoken about. And he just says it straight out. Um, And then Kimchi, Kimchi says, this is the Lord. He is the glory. He is the messenger of the covenant. Those are pretty strong statements from Jewish Mm. commentators. Now, you'll get others such as Rashi who just bypass it entirely. But but nevertheless, it's within the world of Jewish thought from leading commentators to say, you know, this is Messiah. And another one saying, you know, this is 
the Lord himself. And they, there's no attempt to reconcile those two statements, but we would look at it and say, yeah, both are right. This is the Messiah. This is Hashem. This is the Lord himself. Daniel, before we wrap up the conversation around um, this book and move toward the New Testament, I'm really curious, what do Jewish scholars say about this 400 years? What do they say about this? The, this um, uh, not, as you said, is not really a silence of God, but really there, there's no prophets uh, for 400 years. So what do they say about those 400 years? Why is it significant to them? Yeah, it is significant, but maybe not as significant as we might think, because there is a clear understanding that while the prophets came to an end, Ezra came, and Ezra brought about a new era whereby Israel lived in in accordance to what eventually became rabbinic law after Yeshua's mm. time. And in Yeshua's time was oral traditions and an orally developed law. Um, Ezra brought a real focus on studying the scriptures and obeying the mitzvot. And th those became the guiding principles in Jewish life. And so it's as if one era was replaced with another. And the rebuilding of the temple kind of was part of that because now there was a new temple once again. And mm -hmm. I don't know too many statements off the top of my head, but there is that feeling and that understanding that that the temple has been rebuilt and now enough has been revealed for Israel to be able to continue and uh, serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. So now jumping into the New Testament, we see Yeshua ministering in Israel and speaking with this authority. What does the New Testament tell us about Jesus being God's messenger? Yeah, that's a really great question because Yeshua actually addressed it quite um, forcefully himself on numerous occasions. And I think this is most clear in the Gospel of John, where again and again he says, I spoke as the Father told me to speak. In fact, he says in John chapter 12 and verse 49, I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. It kind of... Um, uh, harkens back to the book of Isaiah, where, where the servant hears the voice of Hashem, and mm. he is the one who listens. And so now in John, you have Yeshua clearly speaking and saying, I only speak what the Father has told me to speak. And that carries right through to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, not my will, but yours be done. It's not like he didn't have his own mind, but mm. he uh, clearly subjected himself to the Father in every respect, even to death. And even though he was subjected to the Father, we also know that he had divinity and authority. And we see some signs in the New Testament um, that kind of confirm Yeshua's deity, such as the Transfiguration, where he appears on, I forget which mountain, but he appears with Moses and Elijah. Um, so speaking of Elijah, Malachi 4 verse 5 mentions Elijah. Is it referring to Yeshua? 
could be referring to John the Baptist, is referring to someone else altogether, is Elijah literally going to reappear? How does this work? Yeah, that's an issue that from the Jewish perspective, there isn't complete unanimity. We all know mm. you two Jews, three opinions. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, there is clearly a connection to Elijah. His name wouldn't be there if there wasn't a real connection. And I think Yeshua nailed this because if you read in Matthew 17, Yeshua was speaking to his disciples and said, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. And that is a sign Elijah is coming as prophesied at the end of the age. Elijah has that role. He, he says Elijah is coming and will restore, speaking in the future when, Eli, you know, John the Baptist's already in his past. So we know that the words of the Tanakh are still to be fulfilled. But then he continues and says, But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. And then the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Immerser, John the Baptist, as people call him. Um, he, he really includes both in the one statement. He's both saying uh, Yohanan or John the Immerser is Elijah, but he's also saying Elijah is to come. And I think that's also the, the tension that we see in the book of Malachi, because you have the messenger who is clearly divine. Clearly, clearly he's more than just a regular messenger, but you you also have a very real Elijah the prophet that is being spoken of. And you've got that tension between the two passages we're looking at in Malachi, um, where one sounds like a divine figure and the other one who is a herald of what we are told is the great and terrible day of the Lord. We know that Elijah didn't die. He was taken up. Will Elijah like literally, physically come back to earth before the end? I believe so. I mean, I, I think this is what Malachi is telling us. And I think also there's a hint about it in the Brit Chadashah without naming Elijah. But uh, there's a hint that he will come. And it's really interesting, you know, in, in the Jewish world at Havdalah, after the Shabbat, as the Shabbat is being closed off. It is common to sing Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet. There is still that hope for Elijah the prophet to come. And of course, at Passover, we, we sing Elijah the prophet and we set out a cup for him. There is still that hope that he will come. And when he comes, as we started out by saying, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children hearts to their fathers, then we see all of the societal issues also being revolved. This is a mm -hmm. great, great day. So speaking of the end, we know that um, Yeshua will come back someday. So when we look at these passages in Malachi, did Yeshua fulfill these prophecies at all during his first coming? And if not, what will it look like when Yeshua returns and completely fulfills this prophecy? 
Yeah, this is uh, really an important thing because everyone likes to look at God and say he is the God of love, as Yohanan tells us in, in the epi- one of his mm-hmm. epistles, um, and and that Yeshua was simply there to love everybody and taught love, which is true, but not the whole picture, because throughout, even Yeshua's statements imply and state that there is a coming uh, accounting. And these passages in Malachi very much appeal to, to both phases, but, but they're kind of looking forward. Now, when you read Malachi, you read healing in its wings in chapter 4, verse 2 or chapter 3, verse 20 in the Hebrew Bible. And that translation said, healing in its wings, which is a good translation of the Hebrew, but other translations can just as well translate it accurately as healing in his wings. And and it's very clear that, that Messiah did come and he brought healing. And that that day has had its day and is now unfolding, and I don't think ever ends. But on the other hand, Messiah also comes as one who will go and trample the wicked, as we see in the next verse, and, mm-hmm. and you know, bring that great and dreadful day of the Lord. A lot, so many people are excited about uh, the day of the Lord, but it's a dreadful day we are told in scripture. So Daniel, as we wrap up, I'm curious, how has understanding these prophecies impacted you personally? When, you know, when we get into things like this, um, I, I'm really taken aback by the beautiful tapestry of scripture and scripture really is a tapestry and as people say, it's as if we are on the bottom side looking at it from underneath and trying to connect mm. the dots and see the picture. Um, right. it, it's exciting and rewarding to me that the, the more you look into it, the more you can find because there is so much there. So many things that some people would claim are contradictions or tensions uh, in the scripture are actually just our invitation to look deeper. And the deeper we look, the more we're actually gonna see and the more we're actually going to learn. Some of these things we may never resolve until the olam haba, until the world to come. But mm. but God didn't dumb down his message to humanity. He, he spoke it mm-hmm. simply but he spoke it in such a way that we can always learn more from his words. And as we look at these passages in Malachi, uh, we really see the glories of Messiah predicted, but also mm. a real world time frame and real world issues being addressed in the prophet's day, in Messiah Yeshua's day, because he's clearly um, indicated here and we can see from the Brit Chadashah he is the one who comes and fulfills this and also in days to come it's, it's an exciting thing well Daniel thank you so much for joining us um, your expertise is always just wonderful it's just a fresh perspective and um, 
we, we just love having you on. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Daniel. Yeah, so, so appreciate it. Thank you. Yeshua is the messenger of the Lord. By definition, a messenger is someone who is sent by another person. He does not come for himself. Rather, he comes on behalf of someone else. That is exactly how Yeshua understood his mission. Again and again, he said that he came to do the Father's will and teach Israel his message. In his first coming, Yeshua brought the good news of eternal life. Now. We look forward to his return, when he will rescue those who hope in him, as Malachi said. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Our Hope, featuring Dr. Daniel Nessam. This episode was produced by Nicole Vaca and Grace Sui, written by Rachel Larson and edited by Grace Sui. This episode was also created thanks to Dr. Mitch Glazer, Kyron Bautista, and Dr. Michael Rodelnik. I'm Abe Vasquez. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Our Hope. If you like our show and want to know more, check out ourhopepodcast.com or chosenpeople.com. You can also support our podcast by giving today at ourhopepodcast.com slash support. See you next time 